Welcome to the Gorefine Schiller and Garden podcast series. In part one of a two-part series, Scott Rogeville, an officer with Gorefine Schiller and Garden, is speaking with Matt Cellini, a partner and senior financial advisor with Greenspring Advisors, about Greenspring's offerings and the value of fiduciary responsibilities and much more. And with that, we'll hand it to Scott. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Matt Cellini, welcome to the podcast. I just thought it would be helpful for our listeners if you could go ahead and give us a little bit of background on Greenspring Advisors, what are some of their offerings, how is it that they help folks? Sure. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate the invitation. Greenspring Advisors is an institutional consulting practice based in Towson. We're what's known as an RIA firm. So we focus our time working in investment guidance and oversight for institutional clients and also some wealth management for high net worth individuals as well as endowments. And our role essentially in this market is to serve, again, as I said, a fiduciary advisor position. It helps companies and participants make sure that they're on the right track from a retirement and also from an investment perspective. We work with about 90 or so retirement plans, whether it's 401ks, 403bs, or pension plans, and oversee about $3 billion in assets and 41,000 participants. That's great. You and I work together on a number of different retirement plans, and one of the philosophies that were educational manifest of Greenspring is the whole clarity concept. Do you think you could give our listeners a little bit of background on what that means? Sure. So when we talk about clarity at the simplest terms, it's really pulling the curtain back and making sure that the person sitting on the other side of the table, i.e. our client, understand everything that's going on behind the scenes. And the cornerstone of that is serving as a fiduciary. Part of the reason that we've attributed to our growth and success is that since the founding of our firm in 2004, we really took on that role as a fiduciary. The two founding partners came from the Morgan Stanley and the Merrill Lynch mindset of the world. And at that point, they dropped their licenses and realized that Putting our clients' best interests aligned with ours was the way to do it. So we dropped all the licenses to receive any sort of commission products at that time and became a fee-only firm, and we've been doing that since 2004. When we talk about clarity, it's a couple of things, but it's really the cornerstone of what we do, which is essentially being the quarterback to our clients and making sure they understand all the ins and outs of governance from a retirement plan. The landscape has certainly evolved over the last five to 10 years. And we make sure that we bring the kind of the large market governance process, so the 150 to 200 plus million dollar plans down to the small market as well. That's wonderful. Before we get on with the rest of the subject matter, one of the things that you touched on briefly was the fee structure. And one of the things that I've always noticed about Greenspring is is in the retirement plan space is your approach to fees is a little different. We generally see where most providers are using an asset under management basis for, for determining fees, but Greenspring philosophy is generally a little bit different. Can you touch on that? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question, Scott. So our industry as a whole, and me being in it, I feel I can speak this, has done a disservice for many, many years to our clients. And part of that is disservice is that they charge clients asset-based fees, and that's what you referred to. And an asset-based fee essentially guarantees that as an advisor, you never have to ask for a raise because as the assets of the plan that you're managing continue to grow through participant company contributions as well as market growth, your revenue continues to rise. And our perspective that we've taken is that the work that we do for our client doesn't change because the client went from a $15 million plan to a $25 million plan. The work and the scope of the services that we provide to the committee and also to the participants does not change. We also feel that by using a fixed fee structure, it creates transparency. So number one, we don't accept revenue sharing 
through investment options. So our fees are always disclosed. Our fixed fees are always disclosed to the plan sponsor and the participants. And any revenue sharing that's in a plan that we take over, we generally get rid of those investment options or deposit those funds into an ERISA budget account to then credit back to participants. The other thing with charging a fixed fee is that it helps plan sponsors create economies of scale and pricing structure inside of their plan. One of the tenets of ERISA is to ensure that fees are reasonable and commensurate with the services being provided. And so when we structure plan fees the right way with fixed advisory fees, as plan assets continue to grow, our advisory fee as a percentage of plan assets continues to decline. We're going to talk a little bit later in this podcast about service providers and how to select them and monitor them. And fixed fees is one of the things I'm going to hit on for the record-keeping side as well. That's great. That's a fantastic approach. We love that perspective that you guys take forward. As we shift sort of to the meat of today's podcast, we wanted to look at sort of the fiduciary responsibility and Greenspring's vision. And in that context, I've always found that that Greenspring Advisors embraces the role of being a fiduciary. And if you could give our listeners a little background and understanding as to what that really means in the context of retirement plan, that'd be great. Sure, will do. So when you think about being a fiduciary, you know, it's this word that's kind of thrown around, but there's always the question of what does it mean? I often joke with my clients and tell them that I geek out a little bit because I've actually read the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974 or ERISA. It's quite a dry document, but it does lay out the foundation for what's expected for those that govern participants, essentially retirement moving forward. There's a few things that, you know, I think as we talk about the role that we serve as a fiduciary. Um, And I want to just start with the Greenspring core purpose because that really lends into how we view this world of being the quarterback or the fiduciary of a plan. And that is to improve lives by helping people make better decisions for themselves and those who depend on them. And we feel that that's really a good definition, if you will, to round out serving a fiduciary plan. Ultimately, participants in these retirement plans rely on the decisions that are made by companies and the committees that oversee the plan. And in most cases, the 401k or the 403b or the pension plan is generally the sole retirement vehicle outside of Social Security that most participants have. So it's a very serious role. When we talk about serving in a fiduciary capacity, we use the term quarterback. And the reason we use that is it used to be that companies would have an investment advisor, And they really viewed that role as very thin. It was to come in to help them pick mutual funds or securities that they thought were going to do well and then provide the reporting and so forth to go with that. And that is certainly an important function. That's about 30%, maybe 40% of the work that we do. The other areas that we help companies oversee their plans is relative to things like fee analysis and benchmarking, helping them understand what are the economics of the way their service providers charge their fees. To that front, vendor management, searching and supporting for that. So if there's issues with record keepers or third-party administrators, we help clients sift through that noise. We get involved closely with the relationship manager. And then most importantly, plan design and consulting. We have found that the difference between a participant having the ability to retire with dignity versus retiring in despair is really driven by the design that plan sponsors put in place and sometimes taking a very proactive and forward-thinking approach to that. So a lot of the work that we do is data-driven, 
having discussions with companies and committees about their specific demographic, their workforce, education, age, income, savings rates, and then designing a plan that helps move the ball forward. So when we talk about fiduciary governance and that role of serving as a fiduciary to, to companies, it really hits on all of those topics. That's wonderful. Is there more than one type of fiduciary in a retirement plan? So you certainly have a couple of options when you're hiring a fiduciary. I think it's an important thing to note that a company can never hire away their entire fiduciary responsibility. They're, unfortunately, as a fiduciary or retirement plan, you're always going to be responsible for overseeing the vendors that you hire to work on the plan. It's an important thing to note that the delineation, so record keepers, those that do the record keeping for the plan, testing, website, third-party administrators, attorneys, they are not fiduciaries to the plan. Essentially, you have to be named as a fiduciary, as a trustee, have the ability to edit plan design, fee structures, fund changes, or provide investment advice for a fee, which is where we fall. And under that, there's really two types of fiduciary roles that you can hire. I think this is what you're asking. It really gets down to what's called an ERISA 321 or an ERISA 338 fiduciary. A 321 is what's known as a non-discretionary fiduciary. In that role, we will provide advice and counsel to our clients' recommendations, but ultimately the client has to execute that decision to the provider. In a 338 role, we are what's known as a discretionary fiduciary. And in that role, we have the authority to go to the record keeper and make the investment changes on behalf of the client. From our perspective, that role and the way that we work with the client doesn't change a whole lot. We're still going to make the recommendations and provide the advice and make sure that everybody's comfortable and on the same page with the decisions. But we do have the ability at that point to go ahead and execute on that. Well, all that time reading ERISA has really paid off for you, Matt. I appreciate that. Sure. Should it matter to the plan sponsor if their advisor is a 338 fiduciary? Well, certainly if an advisor is serving in a discretionary fiduciary role, you want to make sure that you understand what that advisor's process is for monitoring the investments and making the recommendations. We certainly think it's the right thing to do, and we're seeing that the corporate market that we're working in, more clients are starting to ask for a 338 advisor, which we're pleased to do. We've been doing it, I joke and say, since it wasn't cool back in 2006 and 7 is when we started doing that. We were actually one of the first or second firms in the country to act in that position. The other thing that you want to be careful of and make sure the clients understand and participants and plan sponsors is that they understand what the investment policy statement says that they're having their investments governed by and that most importantly, you have reporting that ties back to the investment policy statement. So one of the things that we do is use an investment policy statement or an IPS that has 10 criteria that we govern the investments by. And those things are one, three, and five-year performance, other criteria such as risk, manager tenure, style, composition, and then we use a watch list. So if a fund fails four out of those 10 criteria, it's on the watch list. And that's really a check engine light for us to go in. We have an investment committee that meets at our firm monthly with over 100 years of experience. We go in and pop the hood and figure out why is the fund on watch, and then we make a recommendation to the client. And so anybody that's working with an advisor, whether they're a 338 or a 321 or a non-fiduciary advisor, which we can talk about if you'd like, would be something that you want to make sure that you understand their metrics and reporting. Because ultimately, as I said earlier, the plan sponsor can't hire away that fiduciary duty. So they want to make sure that the people that they have brought in 
in to help assist them have a good process to essentially validate how they're governing the, the investments in the plan. This is a wrap for part one of a two-part podcast series. And as you all heard, Scott Rogeville, an officer at Gorefine Schiller & Garden, spoke with Matt Cellini, a partner and senior financial advisor with Greenspring Advisors, about the firm's offering, the value of fiduciary responsibilities, and much more. And stay tuned for the second podcast in this series, where Scott and Matt discuss the value that various service providers offer when making up a successful retirement plan.